Lord, we love you today. We honor you today. We praise you today. We thank you today. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that it over your children. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance whenever I am afraid I will trust Him receive that today. God bless you. Say hello to someone while you're being seated, if you can.
I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 25 and verse 11 quickly. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly or rightly spoken. In other words, the right word at the right time in the right place can turn things can change things. It was Solomon who wrote these words and he was surrounded with counselors and he must have been thinking about when they were discussing issues that someone would speak up and have that fit word, that right word at the right moment that was just so clear suddenly, there's a way out of this. There's a solution to this. Words are powerful, especially these fitly spoken words are like apples of gold. And my little team is so sharp, they just put it together for me after I preached in the nine o'clock. But I don't know what I'm going to do with that. There you go. But, but apples of gold in a silver platter is what he said it was like. It's like that is just, that is just the best when you have the right word in the right moment. I thought about how that animals have ways to communicate, but they can't use words. But it's amazing to me to see the way they communicate. You will have one ant, and if there's food, there will be 10,000 of them within seconds. You have one bird, and the bird will warn every... You know what I'm saying. Mark Twain put it this way. He said, "There's a dif the difference between a word and the right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. I love that. Richard Burton, the actor, said words are everything. Well, the Bible said that God's Word in Psalms 119 brings light. God's Word, the Scripture said, gives understanding. Said in the book of Romans that He framed the world with His words. That before the world was, he framed the world and upholds the world with his words. God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. It's really an amazing thing when you begin to understand how that words can change darkness to light. And I want to take you on a journey and I want you to lean in and I want you to focus clearly for the next few moments. I promise I'm going somewhere. It's called the Golden Age of Harvard University. There's an article in the Smithsonian Museum that talks about how that at one time, Harvard University was the gold standard for all universities. It was founded by a preacher, by the way, and it was started as a theological seminary to teach and deepen people's knowledge of the Bible. How far they've come from that. And when you read and study about it, they said it's not always possible to mark when a golden age begins. It's much easier to mark when an institution rather begins its decline. It's hard to mark when something that became great blew up and became this golden age moment that it's just changing the whole world. It becomes the golden age of that organization or that empire or that nation. It's hard to know when you really, when it's happening and what moment it started. 
But he said as a historian that it's hard to, harder to mark a university or a nation when it begins, but it's much easier to go to the time, the beginning, the spot where it begins to decline. Whether it's a nation, whether it's an empire, whether it's a church, whether it's a business, whether it's a, 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 an a, a, a system in the world, any system. He said this, and I quote, the silvering of the gold is always done in the name of progress. In other words, when you start watering down the, the main purpose for which the thing began, what got it to where it reached a golden age, when you start watering down the gold of an organization, it's always done in the name of progress. It's always done in we've got to get bigger and better and bigger, and in the name of progress, we're going to change everything we were ever about. You can easily tell how a nation is in decline according to this principle. The world has witnessed several golden ages, such as the Egyptian empire. They ruled the world. Now they're gone. The Babylonian empire, Nebuchadnezzar, they were powerful. Now they're gone. Then came the Persian Empire, Greek Empire, Roman Empire. One time the Roman Empire covered the world and the British, the British Empire was incredible and the sun never set on the British uh, Empire. And then the reason I hurry through this and I'm, I'm going somewhere is because according to historians, the 20th century is the American Empire when America became the superpower after World War II. Regardless of how empires rise and empires fall, it's hard to say an exact day when it started becoming great and having a golden age, but it's easier to see when empires are in decline. For example, one of the greatest empires that ever was was the Roman Empire, and there's a day, July the 24th, 410 A.D., when something happened that changed world history, the British or, or the Roman Empire covered most of the world and they created roads and they took their language, the Greek language, and it was universal almost all over all the world. It was powerful and it drove the world. But there were 40,000 who rose up at some point because the nation began to decline. And they took the city of Rome and even though Rome had never been conquered and no army could conquer the nation of, uh, the, and, and the empire of the Roman Empire, nobody could conquer them, but, but Rome was conquered easily because it was so divided that they walked in and took that beautiful city easily. How did it happen? Edward Gibbons, a historian, said the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire. He wrote a book called The Rise and the Fall. There were five reasons for the eventual destruction and decline. Number one, the rapid increase of divorce and the undermining of the family. That when you begin to see the undermining of the family, when you begin to see the undermining of husbands and wives and children and families staying together and loving one another and being together, it's one of the steps of the nation on a decline. It's when you begin to see 
the rapid increase of the destruction of the family. This next one blew my mind. Higher and higher taxes. This is not a political sermon. This is just history. Higher and higher taxes. They said the spending of tax money for free bread, therefore creating a workless society. When you begin to build a culture that doesn't value work, that doesn't value people who get up and go get it every day, who take care of their families, who love their families, who fight for their families and stand for their families, and then you create a society that expects free bread, everything. I'm not talking about people in need. I'm not talking about people who have health issues. I'm talking about well-bodied people, strong people who just... They're lazy. And the Bible said, if you won't eat, if you don't, if you don't work, you can't eat. That's not a fun scripture. The third thing, higher and higher taxes and a workless society. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You know how hard it is to find people that will do anything? Number three, a mad craze for pleasure. This is where the gladiators came from. They became so pleasure-minded, the decadence of the people. The people were rotting away morally because all was about pleasure. Everything was about pleasure. The decay of their, uh, of their faith went hand in hand with this obsession, the mad craze for pleasure and entertainment at all costs. Thank God for this room, this field, this morning. It's people saying there's something more important in our life than fun and entertainment. God matters to our family. God matters to our home. God matters to our marriage. This was an amazing one. When the real enemy showed up, it was their own people. They were so divided in the Roman Empire that it was the own citizens that had divided and conquered and therefore the whole empire failed because of those who rose up from the bottom and said, we're, we're going to destroy everything good in this nation. And they did it. The decay of the nation, the single one, number one thing that led the world from that collapse into the dark ages was illiteracy. Reading became a thing of the past. At some point, it didn't happen overnight, but education began to get lower and lower and lower until there came a point during the dark ages that most of the kings in Europe could not read themselves. Education became weaker and weaker. Civility vanished. People being agreeing to disagree and getting along and having a nation where you can have intelligent discussions and you can show honor and yet at the same time you can totally disagree. But civility is gone and people are pulling into their camps and education becomes weaker and weaker. And then they said superstitions swelled. Grimm's fairy tales of dark forest and lurking wolves and witches and the occult, the whole world fell into such darkness that they began to practice occultic things and the dark age, as it's called in history, began to take over. The world declined into the dark ages after the fall of Rome. And what happened was there was a splintering and a, a, a separating of 
the different groups, the Goths, the Huns, the Lombards, the Anglos, the Saxons, they all got in their little group and they pulled away from each other. There was no unity. There was no communication between people who had different ideas. It had to be my way or no way until they were completely separated in communities after the fall of the Roman Empire. And if you don't believe me, check history for yourself. I'm not up here just preaching something. I got something to say to you today. They fell into what was called the age of barbarism. The rotting away became so severe that witches and the occult and violence began to take over the whole world. The Romans had built roads and the Greek language was known worldwide and they had traveled on those roads. They still exist. Many of them in, in Europe today, you could, they're still there. That's how indestructible they were. It's amazing that Christ came in that time so that the gospel could go all over the world in one language, the Greek language. But they became so splintered in that empire that before the whole Roman empire fell, the medieval villages during the, were cut off and most of them were only 50 to 500 people living in little towns. Few ideas were there. Entire vocabularies consisted of 600 words and they lived their lives and they would only see maybe 200 people. As they traveled from village, villages away, maybe as, as close as 30 miles away, there would be another whole dialect of people. Most didn't travel more than seven miles because the world had become so violent that when the night would fall, you would be killed if you were outside of your own home. Chances of being murdered and <clears throat> were great and twice as likely to be murdered than die by accident. Violence began to increase more and more. The chances of a murderer being caught and convicted during the dark ages was less than 100 to 1 chance. A deterioration of justice, a deterioration of, 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 of what is right, of law and order. It all began to happen. The decline begins to happen. Less and less people really being educated really learning, really reading, really understanding, really talking, really discussing issues and, and having a back and forth civilly. It, it, it's, it was gone and there was nothing but, 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 but hatred and violence and ignorance and death and crime and looting and killing and raping. This, these are the signs of a nation in decline, an empire in decline. And this is no uh, throw at the precious. I have many, many, many precious family or, or, or friends, Catholic friends. I know many of them love Jesus and they're, they're our brothers and our sisters and they believe in Jesus Christ. I'm going to let God sort out all the rest, but this, this is just history now. I'm just talking about history. During that same point in history, the Catholic Church under leadership just began to force their religion on those and it was conversion by force. They, there are stories where they, there was actual baptisms and, and they would hold them down until they drowned them. Now, I've had a few. I felt like I might ought to do that, but, but I've never done that yet. But my point is this. 
there came upon a moment that brought such darkness, here we go now, that the, the, the church, the institutional religion of that time said, we are going to outlaw the scriptures. First of all, we're going to interpret it into Latin and the people are already uneducated. They'll never be able to read it. And we're going to take the ability to read the scriptures for themselves. And we're only going to give a priest the power to interpret the scriptures. There'll be no arguing. There'll be no um, challenging of the, of, the, uh, of the scriptures of whether or not that is biblical or not. Whatever they say will go. And so the first Bible was written in Latin and it was rarely challenged because nobody could read it but the priest. And they had such indulgences that they would come up with things such as if you have a descendant who has died and gone to hell and lived a wicked life, if you give me money, we can spring them out of jail. I mean, hell, we can spring them out if you've got enough money. Maybe you know that's not in this book, but it's in some people's teachings. And I'm not here to argue all that. I'm simply giving you a history before I get to what I want to preach. It was at that moment that Martin Luther, a priest in that church, that institutional religion, he stood up and he said, this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. There's no way you're going to tell me that I'm saved by works, by how much money I have, by how much power I have, by how much influence I have. God only lets me go to heaven if I'm saved by grace, not by works. He got that revelation. And then he began to preach the priesthood of the believer that I don't have to go through a priest to only, uh, God bless them, anybody preaching the gospel, God bless them, I'll take them, I'll link arms with them, and I'll do whatever I can do without compromising what I believe. But here's the point, that during that time, that was a revelation, that was light. In, 20, in 1229, it, it, people were absolutely forbidden to own a Bible, and people could lose their lives for doing it. But here's what got me. The greatest thing that maybe began to turn the corner and move the world out of the dark ages back into light was a man by the name of Erothemus of Rotterdam who wrote a book on civility in children. He describes the difference between civil people and barbaric people. And he simply said, here's the difference. People who have self-discipline are people who do not have self-discipline. The nation that has people who are civilized, if they practice self-discipline, if they are not practicing and upholding and lifting as a standard to that people of that nation, discipline, decency and morality and good. It's a matter of time before it all comes crashing down. No self-discipline. Just whatever feels good, do it. Whatever you want to do. What has happened to that discipline? You know, a disciple is someone disciplined. If you're calling yourself a disciple of Christ, 
You just don't let it all go and do any and everything. And it's not, it's not legalism. It's, it's freedom. Hallelujah. It's freedom in Christ. So barbaric that when he put this book out in Europe, the vast amount of people ate from plates with no utensils like animals, used their hands to eat and pick up food and grab from the same plates on the food. And if they got in disagreements, they chopped each other up with their axes. There was no law, no order. They urinated in the streets, defecated in the streets. It was just, it sounds like a lot of major cities in America today. What is going on? I preached in Chicago not too long ago in the south side and the church that I had had armed security guards and a barbed wire fence all the way around the parking lot because, and when they got in, they chained the thing and it had to let people in car by car. I'm not making this up. Go to Los Angeles. Go and see what is happening. We are a nation that is in trouble and we're in decline. But I didn't come with bad news I came today to tell you there is a way to turn it because if it's happened before, it can happen again. Let me finish this. The saddest part of all, this is what messed me up. This is why I'm preaching this sermon. This is why I've been taking your time to get here and, I'm, and I won't be my longer. I've got eight more minutes and I'm gonna use them all. The saddest part of all is this is what the author said. There were no children. There were little people but children as children disappeared in that kind of culture of darkness. They were just smaller little people that were, that were not separated from the adult community. There was no reading of children's nursery rhymes and books. There was no, none of that. They grew up in the same society that their parents did. Their parents didn't scream them, didn't protect them, didn't shield their little minds. And, and the babies could... They, they would walk and talk and they became little people, not little children. They talked like adults because they heard mom and dad cussing and vulgarity and this and that. And the little kids, suddenly that's their response to everything. And they, they, they saw their, their leaders cutting people and fighting people and violent and they became violent. They were not taught social do's and don'ts. Child at the age of seven shared the exact same world as their adults. They played the same games. They had the same conversations. They heard the same stories. They worked the same jobs as little children. The same activities. There was no transition from childhood to adulthood. They were exposed to anything and everything. And I just feel like sometimes that's exactly where we are. When an eight-year-old child is told, and, and, the, and people in our leadership say they can, they can figure out what gender they are. You, you don't understand. That's a, that's a conversation. Not That's for adults. That's for people who have their full uh, maturity in their thinking. Not an eight-year-old. Don't talk and tell my children that they're more, I'm going to preach it like I want to. I'm, I'm tired of trying to walk the rope. 
There's male and there's female. Let, don't, don't tell them that they need, to, they need to castrate themselves chemically at the age of 15. What are you doing? What are you teaching? This is insanity. This is insanity. I don't want my children to hear about mommy has two daddies or whatever. I don't want, that's your business. Live and let live. But listen to me, my, the children, they, their minds, they should be in a safe place. Well, if you're going to ever clap, you better start doing it because people are getting more and more. No, it's time for the church to stand up and say, this will bring the light back. This will bring help back. This will bring hope back. This will bring our young people out of the pandemic, out of the depression, out of the addiction, out of the hopelessness. We've tried that route. We see what it has produced. Look around you. Look at the children that are dying. Vocabularies became so sexually vulgar. I wrote this in my notes, and God help the person that speaks up and out against it. Well, that would be me. <laughs> Guess I'm better brace myself. The typical peasant house during the dark ages, think about this. Lord, help me to get this across consisted of one, a one-room house, a peasant house. The bed was in the middle, piled, piled high with straw pallets. It was seething with vermin. Everybody slept there regardless of age, sometimes hens and pigs. And if a couple chose to be intimate, everybody in that room, in that bed, was aware of every movement. These little children grew up exposed at a very young age to everything, just like what's happening on the Internet, what's happening on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Everything little it used to be, you know, you had to worry about a 13-year-old saying a vulgar word. Now it's a six-year-old, you blanket. I saw one the other day where a kid was cursing out a police officer and he looked like he was about, he, he couldn't have been more than seven blankety, blank, blankety. And I'm like, oh, that, what, how does this happen? Pretty sad sermon, isn't it? I said all that to get to this point. Something happened that began to cause the light to shine. The apples of gold is the fitly spoken word. And what happened? Two things that changed everything in the climate and brought us out of the dark age. Number one, in the 1400s, there was the printing press that was invented. And I'm not making this up. It's a, it's a fact. It's a historical fact. The first book printed on the Gutenberg's printing press was the Bible. 
the B-I-B-L-E. And at the entrance of the word, there it is. That's the golden apples. That's it. If you're going to give your teacher an apple, give her one of these this year and say, you know, the B-I-B-L-E, it'll, it'll help us in math. It'll help us in reading. It'll help us in leadership. It'll help us be excellent. It'll help us be productive citizens. It'll help us in work. It'll help us in ethics. It'll help us in family, in marriage, in child rearing. It'll heal the society we're in if we would just go back to the B-I-B-L-E, the art of those periods, the art of the day was, had village festivals and they showed pictures of drunk men and drunk women and drunk children, all of them groping unbridled lust, even the children. And I'm sorry, I hate to say this, but has anybody noticed in this nation the rise of sexual child abuse and the absolute trafficking of children, little children. My God, what are we allowing? What are we doing? Has anybody noticed in this nation that children are losing the innocence? The innocence of children is just being wasted away because we're not shielding and guarding. It's not a small thing, listen to this, that we have old children We have old children who at young ages, they, they shouldn't experience such hard things. They shouldn't have to understand why mommy and daddy are not together. They shouldn't have to understand these things. Life is hard enough when you get up 13, 15, 17, 18. You got to make handle life and deal with it. But my goodness, little old children, knowing what an alcoholic, a drug addict is, little old children, knowing what violence is, knowing what beating mother is and bleeding children are. We're not in a game anymore, church. The church has got to be the church. If ever we have to be the church, we have to be the church. We have to ask ourselves, are we contributing to the delinquency of minors? Little old men, little old women, because they've been exposed to so much so early. I want to thank God for the church. I want to thank God for Kid Pack. I want to thank God for our preschool. I want to thank God for our youth ministry. I want to thank God for our summer camps. I want to thank God for our volunteers and the Forward Conference that had 10,000 young people. I want to thank God. I want to thank God for Free Chapel. I want to thank God for other churches like it that will stand. I want to thank God for people who will defend the right to life like many in the Catholic Church. I'm not here to to put anybody down. I'm just here trying to say, I recognize we're in a decline. But it doesn't have to end this way. We've got the light of God's Word, and when His Word enters, light enters. I'm done. 
But St. Augustine came into a pagan world turning towards Christianity. But one writer said, we are now coming into, our kids being born are coming into a Christian, Christian, Christian world that's turning towards paganism. We've moved from a reading society to an illiterate society to a visual society. It's all on the screen now. And I'm not against technology, but I'm simply telling you that there's something powerful about mothers and parents and fathers who stand in their place and say, we're going to read in this house. I'm going to introduce you to something called a book. Sharice used to drop the kids by when they were having a bad Saturday. Courtney's sitting down here. And when they were not acting right and I was studying on, on Saturdays, she, she would get so frustrated. We had five of them. That's enough to frustrate anybody. And, 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 she, and they were two years apart, like, like doorsteps. And, and, and she would just drop them off sometimes over in the, where my office is. And, and she would just knock on the door and leave. And they would all be standing there looking at me. And you know what I would do? This is how she's sitting right there. I'd go in my study and I'd handpick books and I'd come out and I'd say, well, since you've got nothing but this hall right here for the next four hours at least, because these people want me to preach at Free Chapel, so you're going to pay the price. And here's a book. You're going to read this book. And if you don't know the stuff in this book, because I've read these books, and if you don't be able to tell me what's in this book, I'll know you haven't read it. And then I'm going to have to whip your little behind. And I know that's against <laughs> But, 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 but you got a choice. I'm trying to give you purgatory here. Come on now. I'm trying to get you out of hell. You're going to get the belt, but if you, if you read the book, I'll give you a break. Come on, what's wrong with that? Why don't we go back to educating our children? Why don't we quit trusting everybody and everything? And I thank God for the, I'm not an enemy of the school systems. I believe in education, believe in our teachers. So many are doing such critical, important work. A teacher changed my life. A teacher saw something in me and encouraged me and saw a gift in me in playing the horn. He said, you're not normal. And I want, and I said, oh, I'm, I know that. But, 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 but he said, no, you have a unique, talent that was a big day in my life and I don't know how to end this except to say stand to your feet I'll quit while I'm sort of a little ahead throw your hands up and say God help us Say, God, we repent. God, we turn back to you. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Come on. Come on. Are, are we raising little old children? I don't want them to grow up in a home hearing arguments. I don't want them to grow up in a home hearing cussing and profanity and vulgarity. I don't want them to grow up seeing nudity on the screens. I don't want them to grow up in that world. God, help us. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.